probably better than the 11 or so players that performed for Manchester United against Bill Bow. Well, performed. Was that, is that the right word? That turned up. Um, just about. They appeared on the pitch. Didn't do much else except get Rip a new one for the second time in a week. They performed in the sense of they completed Ferguson's masterwork performance art piece United in Europe, wherein he discusses the frailty of the human condition through the medium of winning the Champions League a couple of times and then this nonsense. Yes, interesting. I I would have likened it a bit more to prison rape, but you know, hey, you're the artistic one. You know, it's a treatise on the effect of entropy on the human condition or something like that West Brom that was much more like it what a fantastic performance from United it was so different in the league this season I, I was as I said on the on the show really worried about that but my fears were unfounded as, as United put on something of a masterclass against West Brom comfortable very comfortable very comfortable indeed yeah good performance should have had more goals top of the league top of the league first time in quite a few months that one and, and not, it wasn't just so much United won and obviously City lost but the manner of the two games I think United looked very composed looked, looked in control of everything didn't look like there's any sign of panic or nerves or anything like that even though it took quite a long time for the second goal to come and, and City by contrast and a very big contrast I think lost pretty meekly in Swansea could, could have been worse but for Joe Hart and momentum definitely with United now definitely I mean look clearly City all this money great squad strength and depth and, and all of that and, and Carlos Tevez to come back I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing but the moment they seem to be the one who are freezing in the headlights don't they and and United's players under Ferguson's direction obviously been there so many times before and and really coming strong at the right time yeah absolutely and Mancini to me looks like he is feeling the pressure a bit I don't know if that's projection or he really does look like he's feeling the pressure yeah he's just just look at him in his post-match interviews I mean isn't he's not gone Keegan-esque or anything like that but you know there's he's got the thousand yard stare going pretty well yeah well that's true and and you know just around the eyes there's slightly slightly less composure and, and yeah as you say his post-match interviews and Tevez coming back to the club must be a weird thing I, I think on balance that it's probably more likely to benefit them than hurt them in terms of the run-in but you never know I mean rumours of a bust-up between Balotelli and Torre in the dressing room in the tunnel at half-time in the Swansea game that's that's what we like to hear and, and one of those just fantastic moments on Sunday when the sound around Old Trafford sort of travels almost instantaneously as 70,000 people realise that something happened somewhere that they're not and, and react and in a way it's a shame that United can only get the ground rocking when when something like that happens but it was fantastic to hear the noise explode out of Old Trafford. A great moment when news filters through of Swansea's goal there. Um, of course Swansea should have had a goal much earlier than that. I mean, the penalty saved very well by Joe Hart and, and Swansea were excellent I thought and, and yep absolutely uh, United fans responded to that it had that kind of uh, last game of the season feel about it in many ways doesn't did and I mean, look, it's easy to forget there's almost quarter of the season remaining. I mean, it's an awful long time. It is squeaky bum time, I guess, as, as Ferguson likes to call it. And every game is just so important now. And it, it almost feels like the running has been extended. It's like election year, isn't it? You know, campaigning from two years out. And, and the running started very early this year, just in terms of its feeling and the intensity and the pressure. And I think it's partly because Tottenham started to drop away in the last few weeks. And, and it's really the focus on United city now but it's mostly because of that hilarious crying city fun oh that was genius it's really i mean schadenfreude is a very dangerous sport isn't it and i tweeted that one and fifteen thousand people had viewed that uh, inside a day which was interesting and most of them joining in the, the pretty graceless tweet i tweeted uh, which included ha repeated several times 
it's not just the kid was crying he's uh i don't think it helped him that he had a touch of ginger about him as well and so he kind of added to the drama of the moment that's just that might, of all the terrible things i've ever heard you say over the years and listeners there have been a few uh, that might be right up there you know we actually if he hadn't kind of come out publicly and tried to attract the attention of soccer am on his twitter feed and stuff then i probably wouldn't have said too much about it because you know you really genuinely all joking aside you never know when you're in the middle of catching someone who's had a family bereavement and this is just you know tip the scales for him but this clearly wasn't that he he just couldn't handle the stress of the running much like we all hope that his team can't handle it yeah see he tried to claim that he wasn't crying but of course the video evidence tells us differently because there's tears dropping off his face (laughs) the thing is you're right though there's a, a hugely long way to go in the season and nothing's decided yet but we talked on the show maybe four or five weeks ago about betting odds and united were something like nine to two on betfair to win the league at that point we're now odds on to win the league so would... it's it's the momentum thing is it's a big thing it's, it's also the balance of fixtures so it all adds to pressure united are playing wolves we'll preview that later in the show of course but again even though they've just played against Athletic, a game that United should win. I mean, you know, fingers crossed and all that, and uh, because we've had some pretty terrible results at Wolves over the years, but game United should win. That'll be four points clear of City before City play. City are playing a rejuvenated Chelsea on Wednesday night now. Game got moved at Eastlands. It's a game they could drop points in. United then have uh, six games before the City game. All of them are winnable. I mean, there's not a single game we're playing against a top six side. And In fact, I don't think they're any against top ten side I and mean, we play Fulham and Everton but they're both at Old Trafford you can get carried away with it and normally in these circumstances I'm not necessarily glass half full guy but in this scenario I think the pressure is going to be hugely on City I think United can be super 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 professional for six games here we're going to go into that derby game possibly more than three points ahead it might not even matter I wouldn't have believed it I would not have believed that say in October or November when City was so brilliant and, and we weren't and we're going through that period of all those injuries and and all of that it's a it's pretty remarkable really given the the shocking state of our european season it's uh you just you really couldn't believe it's happening but i think united are going to be piling more and more pressure on city and it's up to them to respond now i mean professionalism in the league has been absolutely paramount hasn't it since since the incident of which we do not speak professionalism has been the watchword because that was such an unprofessional performance they've really like ramped up their professionalism since then and and the the ticking heartbeat of the team and Michael Carrick just keeping everything moving and apart from when our injury crisis was at its absolute apotheosis we've been decent throughout the Premier League season hey look Blackburn and Newcastle injuries poor performances it just wasn't right during those two games aside from that excellent and a really tough series of games uh, just after the new year as well and, and not always brilliant performances but but have managed to get it done picked up points kept picking up lots of points we talked about some some games where united really didn't play well like the the norwich game somehow managed to dig out a result for that one from that one and i mean i guess that's the cliche but it's what it's all about right and United are are doing it and it is creating pressure and I think City's players are feeling it there's some big players in the City squad who've won leagues 
some some a couple of them with United are of course obviously peripheral in the City squad at the moment uh, but as a collective they've not done it and, and Mancini I don't think will ever experience this kind of pressure I mean his three titles one was handed to him and, and two came amidst the scandal of Calciopoli and, and uh, some really big swings in Italian football so I, I don't think he's ever been under this kind of pressure and he, as we've said he's shown signs of the cracking and that will filter through to the players for sure It was a brilliant performance against West Brom in many ways I mean there was obviously chances squandered the Welbeck chance uh, leaps out but what wonderful performance from Chicharito uh, who has not been brilliant for a little while and really was very effective in his build-up play the second goal in particular is cross the first touch in the cross was really really fantastic he took the ball first time beat a defender and crossed the ball in and of course he did very well for the first goal which Rooney's attacking instincts were perfectly functioning to get him on the end of and it was it was lovely stuff and De Gea didn't have to be our man of the match for a change which was really nice yeah I, I thought the the front sort of four uh, worked really well together and agree with you and Chicharito is probably his best game of the season I thought he was very effective and we've used to him having a really poor touch this season so we had doubts about his all round game last year clearly but he was scoring loads of goals this year hasn't scored as many it's been a disrupted season injuries well Beck's form more injuries and all that so it's been a tough season for him but his first touch seemed to have gone in lots of games and that was a real worry and I think I tweeted after one game that they should just stick him in a room and fire balls at him until he learns how to control it. You, you said it last week on the podcast. Oh, there you go. And uh, maybe that's what they did. Right, we've, we've said before Fergie listens. Tell you, sir, Fergie, I could teach you a thing or two. Talking of Fergie, just his helm, his steering of the ship throughout this Premier League season has been remarkable. I mean, I think Europe's been an absolute disaster this season and it all feeds back to the fact that we took the Champions League group too lightly. You said we're just going to win every game in this group. We realistically could just easily win every game and Fergie as you say listens and took your complacency to heart and instilled it's it true. Tr- it's, it's all my fault really it is yeah. but you know that the Europa League was treated like the football detention that it is I mean you could say we played a full strength side against Bilbao but I don't really think that tells the full story because a Jisung Park was in the side which nowadays means it's not a full strength side and because uh, the days of him playing Park in the big games for the big reasons have have gone it was just an excuse to get him on the pitch and try and get some energy in the midfield to stop their free-flowing attacking football but we just don't look like we've cared in any of the Europa League fixtures and I would argue that nor should we care it is a ridiculous competition and the way that you know it's a ridiculous competition is because we're in it and the reason that we're in it is we got knocked out of another competition oh yeah no look I, I don't disagree with that at all I think it's a ridiculous competition I think the structure of it is horrible it's all about packing in as many games as possible it's about getting a second chance to failures from the Champions League and, you know, it's like the parachute payment system and uh, but with games I think I think there needs to be a second tier European competition I think that's important oh yeah but Manchester United shouldn't and, but but not in this structure, right? And and you're right. United should never have been in it. We got knocked out fair and square uh, of the Champions League. We weren't good enough to qualify. We were too complacent, as well as being not good enough. We should never have been in the Europa League. But I have to say, the, the approach has been pretty disgraceful. And, and it's not just that, you know, OK, it's... it's not even nearly as important as the Premier League fine then show that by you know playing a few kids and experimenting or whatever but the attitude of the players even the senior pros was that they just didn't give a damn and there was some Thursday night there was some extremely 
complacent performances actually that's not even the right word there were some performances of players who just didn't want to be there and uh, you know don't like to pick out players names because obviously it's a team game and all that but Patrice ever at left back he just jogged around half the time Wayne Rooney at one point was was good blinding goal but gave the ball away just didn't bother running after it Tom Cleverley got to say I was really disappointed with his performance not okay he's not fit I uh, can't ex- expect miracles but he just kind of coasted through it just too many players that that happened to and that's not right at all because that's not Manchester United I mean I, Roy Keane's quote about you know when you play inferior teams and, and not that athletic or inferior team by any means I mean they've proven that but but when you play, you know, smaller teams in some way, the work rate has got to come first and then your talent should show. That didn't even happen. You know, we could have been outplayed over two legs, but given it every effort. And we clearly didn't because we can see what every effort is. And that's what Athletic provided and fantastic performance. I mean, if, if it wasn't for their poor finishing, they could have scored six or seven easily. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, it, you know, you often hear of a performance, oh, that team could have scored six or seven. But legitimately, there's absolutely no reason that they didn't score six or seven, except their finishing wasn't quite up to it. I don't quite right. agree with your central thesis, which is that United players should have been giving it their all in this game. I mean, I think it's completely reasonable to believe that they should and I think probably most United fans would side with you that you're pulling on the United shirt you've got to give it your all you've got to at least appear to be committed or you well no you've got to be committed but I think a friend of mine said to me this week who shall remain nameless it's kind of a shame we got that penalty in the last minute at Old Trafford because it meant we have to pretend to take this second leg seriously because legitimately I think we had barely a hope of getting through this game unless we put absolutely everything into it and hit our very 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 top peak of performance and that just seemed remarkably remarkably unlikely and actually a kind of strolling defeat to get rid of the nonsense of trying to win this league having to play out every Thursday night for a trophy that just doesn't matter in the overall scheme of things they're kind of better to shamble through the game and get it out of the way and just like put the whole thing behind us they tried to do it against Ajax but that's a that's a terribly arrogant position isn't it I mean it's it's a position that says that we're united somehow we have a some kind of moral right to be in the Champions League no it's a competitive sport so no not not at all we've messed it up We've messed up being in the Champions League, but we don't have to take football detention seriously. And and this ridiculous farce of you're knocked out of the Champions League, now you have to play this other competition that doesn't mean anything or means an awful lot to Europe's second tier of clubs. You know, it, it's, a, it's a competition for teams like Athletic Bilbao. That's why the competition exists. And it's not that we have a divine right to be in the Champions League and all else is meaningless. It's that... We've been in three Champions League finals in the last four years and and the Europa League just cannot live up to it and it's going to massively distract us from a title fight which we're going to have to absolutely dig in and find every ounce of talent professionalism and stamina in order to beat Manchester City it's the first time it's been an all Manchester title race since for living memory of almost all the people that support both those clubs right yeah look practically you're right but there's there's more than that though isn't it this is we're supposed to be one of the biggest clubs in the world best one of the best teams in Europe and all of that close to Real Madrid and Barcelona 
Barcelona. And and not only do we uh, embarrass ourselves in the Champions League, but we've now embarrassed ourselves in the Europa League. And it's not just that we were so thoroughly beaten by Athletic over two legs. This is the club that is currently seventh in La Liga, but we just didn't we just didn't make any effort either. And I don't think that's the Manchester United way, whatever that is. It's definitely not being so meek about it. And I, I should bloody well hope it's not the Ferguson way either. I mean, I just thought it was uh, it was pretty disrespectful, really. I mean, at least give the opposition a bloody game. Didn't even do that. So I, to be honest, I'd just rather. I, I think you're right in that the, the tie was lost. Been better just playing a whole bunch of kids. Give them a shot, you know. Give them a shot. Yeah. Because th- because this we've we've ended up with Rooney turning over on his ankle, Ferdinand coming off with a calf injury, Michael Carrick's had over an hour and and he's got to play in like forty eight hours time. Ryan Giggs had most of the game. There's nothing good aside from we don't have to play anymore. Uh, games on a Thursday night and nothing good came out of that time athletic no except Rooney's goal which is remarkable fantastic hit oh and one other thing that was good that came well actually I mean in terms of just like football it was brilliant to watch Bilbao they were they were incredibly exciting they played wonderful football and that Lorente goal was I'd I'd love I'd love United to play like that. Wouldn't you like United to play like that though? I mean, you know, intensity, the passing, the and we couldn't cope with it. Just couldn't cope with it. They pressed us, and, and we were taught this lesson in two thousand in the two thousand nine Champions League final. You know, high pressing. We were not good enough to keep the ball. Fact, right? You know, you put all the other stuff aside that we shouldn't care about it. Whatever. They just weren't technically good enough either. No, and and that's the actual issue at hand. That Ferguson said at the end of last season's Champions League final, we've got to find a way to get closer to Barcelona the, the 2009 Champions League final we went into oh no apparently we have I mean, didn't you hear him a couple of weeks ago we're, we're really not far away yeah we're on some other footballing planet we're nowhere near Barcelona's like a team that play similarly to them but don't have quite the same level of quality you know that that's that's the reality of it and but getting closer to Barcelona is if it's done properly surely requires some sort of root and branch you know it starts with our 12 year olds let alone our first team right I mean the coaching at United has been revolutionised in the last decade and one hopes that you'll see the fruits of that and in fact you kind of are in a way because Welbeck and Cleverley are two of the most technically gifted players in the side or maybe let me not say technically gifted but technically able and you wonder if that's something to do with the fact that there is a change in emphasis in coaching you're right it's all about technique they don't get enough time with the with the players but but we're we're definitely not producing as many as barcelona i mean another one coming on we had cuenca earlier this season i mean along with the 57 players they've already got that have come through the messia nate cuenca came along this season and winger very good and now, now christian tello is another fine player another they just keep churning out these kind of wide players don't they and just another technically gifted player who's better than anything anyone else has got yeah <laughs> yes it's it's crazy isn't it it's 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 a ridiculous thing and and you know partly it's a phase of history and these things happen and clubs rise and fall but this was architected at Barcelona they did this on purpose you know this goes back to Johan Cruyff basically yeah and and every single one of their teams plays the same way they have a way of coaching uh, there's a philosophy at the club and they ally that with you know tons of money spent in the transfer market and and it's uh, you know how, how many times have we had this conversation it's a balanced approach we're not going to beat Barcelona suddenly churning out 20 kids from the reserve team it's really difficult it's really really difficult Barcelona seems to have done it in droves we don't seem to be able to at the moment 
not on the same level and, and I mean properly I mean players coming through from that system and making it big in the first team because I don't think actually any of those kids really have I mean Welbeck's basically established as a first teamer cleverly isn't he's had four and a half games of good football this season got injured and then every single game since has been a comeback game or an injured or comeback yep. or um, you know brand 23 and I, I know I get annoyed by this and it's not really having to go cleverly I think he be, could become a very good player for United but but fact is he's 23 and has had four good games for United you know let's put this into perspective he might become a very good player for United he might become a very good player for England he might be the, the you know the next best thing since Paul Scholes he might be and, and it is all might he kind of really ought to be you know learning about how to do that and the, the let's hire a brand consultant so I can get some perfume or some underpants named after me seems to not be the right focus yeah I don't know the thing is it leaves a bad taste in the mouth all that stuff but on the other hand he's not doing that in well certainly if you drink it yeah on the other hand he's not doing that instead of training he's doing that in the ample amount of spare time he's got and it's probably a relatively harmless thing for him to be doing in that spare time compared to what other footballers might be getting up to maybe look may, and maybe it's a very superficial argument it probably is but no, no, but he it, didn't look very focused against Athletic I'll tell you that he, he looked like he was strolling through that and this is a kid who's coming back from injury he should be desperate he should be absolutely desperate to get the minutes in to prove that he's worth a place in the side I mean he, he, he won't be in the side at the weekend Paul Scholes uh, you know 47 will be in the side ahead of him and and he should be looking at that and going how did Paul Scholes still get in the side ahead of me you know the guy retired spent nine months out of the game has come back and is still way better than me I need to learn something from this yeah hopefully he is hopefully he's humble enough to learn something and in fairness the older players around him weren't giving him much of an example in that Bilbao game they certainly weren't no you know it's this United side is a very strange mixture of psychologies and personalities and we we have in us both that never say die fight till the last minute Ryan Giggs winner against Norwich and the complete capitulation throughout the season in Europe we, we have both sides of those there are polar opposites in attitude and performance displayed and it's partly to do with the fact that footballers earn too much money too young to learn properly it's so difficult for them not to have their heads turned and not f- for their egos not to be overdeveloped and not to have too grand a sense of themselves you know it, it's it takes a person of staggering emotional and mental balance not to have their ego inflated by playing for Manchester United as a teenager when your ego development is still ongoing and 70,000 people chant your name and the papers write that you're the best thing since sliced bread and you score the winner against City or whatever and become a cult hero it's gonna all those things affect you and the nature of modern football means they affect you in a very different way to what they did even 10 years ago that the generation that came through wasn't quite the you know wasn't quite as intensely mollycoddled and spoiled as they are now and certainly not 20 years ago when Giggs and Skulls' generation came through no and although uh, this this is a cultural thing that they have to write in the club I, I guess you know it's I don't know that younger players at United are losing focus I don't know but I don't like it when I hear that a player has trademarked a brand name because that's really important for him no I agree it's ridiculous when he hasn't made it yet you know it's, it's, it's the same with young kids wearing gold boots as as uh, Pogba did 
the other day. I mean, it's okay. Maybe I'm old school. I don't like gloves either. I'm clearly I'm old school. You know. <laughs> On the other hand, if you are a 20 year old footballer with his whole career ahead of him, trademarking your if you were a business, you wouldn't say, oh, they shouldn't be trademarking their brand at the outset of their business. They should wait until they've proven themselves and made it. He has the opportunity to prove himself and make it. So he's laying foundations just in case. That's I, I am not. Yeah, but you can't polish a turd, you know. If you're not good on the pitch, then your brand but is this, not worth the, the, anything. This is the thing about that argument that slightly gets me because I I agree with you philosophically. It seems ridiculous, and as I said, it definitely leaves a bad taste in the mouth. But he's not doing that instead of trying to be good at football. He's doing it as well, and he definitely has time to do both things. But uh, you know, Rio has had this criticism throughout his career that he's too many outside interests, too much plugging his magazine and his app and his restaurant and all that stuff. But no lack of professionalism from Rio, you know, he's an incredible professional. I'm actually not arguing that there's a correlation between the two things. I'm not arguing. I'm saying I don't like it. (laughs) You're right, because nobody in their right mind would like it. There you go. So talking talking of young players and uh, sense of self-worth, Paul Pogba may be staying at United. I think we've had two conversations in the last two weeks about him leaving. Definitely, absolutely, definitely leaving. And and now he is. It seems that uh, Pogba is happy to stay if he gets the opportunities. And funnily enough, he is getting the opportunities now. And his agent is desperate for him to move because he's got that big lump sum coming from Juve if he does. If I go, there will be trouble. If I stay there will be double It's just been stuck in my head every time I think of Pogba He's going to stay now right He's just been He's played the last two games Surely this is a sign It's a sign it's proof yeah, I have no idea. No idea. I mean, there was some kind of group think going around that he, he, he definitely wouldn't play if he'd agreed to go already. Ferguson wouldn't have it. And, and I don't know if that's true or not, because Ferguson actually said quite clearly that the guy is still thinking about it. So there you go. But he's he's had, he's had what, half an hour in both games now, uh, last couple of, or maybe 20 minutes against West Brom. And so uh, more opportunities than he's had for most of the previous part of the season and, and did okay in both games. Not brilliantly, not as good as that can against Stoke but he's uh, he certainly doesn't look short of confidence feels like he fits in with the group and doesn't quite take up the right positions I see him wandering by he passes and moves and then takes up slightly wrong positions and, and uh, I'm sure they'll um, he'll learn from playing with better players and, and uh, they'll coach the hell out of him so there's plenty to work with there I hope he stays because I think he's got loads of talent but I don't think it's a done deal yet you know why he gets out of position don't you it's because he's sat there thinking should i stay or should i go now (laughs) (laughs) should i cool it or should i blow that's what he's thinking rank cast the album out on (laughs) itunes and all good record stores talking of footballers and whether or not they're gonna leave or not this one won't have a singing that it'll leave me sitting in the corner singing all by myself don't wanna be because Dimitar might be leaving Ed I'm not sure I'm ever going to get over it Bridget Berbatov it's interesting this one isn't it because Ferguson doesn't like to talk about players coming or going really he usually gives short shrift to that one but uh, spoke quite a bit about Berbatov and said that they will activate the clause in his contract so he won't be leaving on a free transfer but that the, the player wants to play and, and that'll probably mean he'll seek a move in the summer so uh, that kind of sums it up and didn't even get on the bench versus Athletic I mean we were talking about uh, you know, actually not really taking it very seriously. And if you can't find place on the bench, even the bench, for a player of Berbatov's talents, then there's something definitely wrong there. 
Yes. I guess, should we leave the Berbatov extensive post-mortem to when, if he actually does go? Because I'm going to want to dedicate it some time to it just to get it properly out of my system. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a Berbatov special. There you go. We can talk for an hour on the merits of Dimitar Berbatov. But it does seem like he's definitely going to go. And he's been so underused this year. I mean, what's he had? Five, something like five starts in the Premier League. He's, he's barely played at all. So I mean, he's almost as peripheral as Michael Owen. Michael Owen still exists. He isn't just a horse trainer although you wouldn't believe it from his twitter timeline he's injured though right presumably just want to assume that that's the case but well, i kind of think you should do the same with owen as you do with horses when they're they're lame just shoot no them. there's nothing wrong with michael owen apart from you know he likes horses he's all right there's not ship him off to the glue factory which is what of course what we should do with anderson the big bone brazilian who we spoke about last week and looks so like ferguson said he's going to be out for at least five weeks and being anderson that means five months so we probably won't see him again this season you said that last time and he got back really quickly but then got immediately injured again yeah yeah he had 20 minutes and you know he'd only had a couple of big macs before the game so he was obviously low on fuel there and his body said oh no we should have had the double whopper with bacon cheese and large fries it's all over right anderson's got to be off in the summer surely he's gotta go. look this is five seasons if that's not enough to prove yourself at a club you know you c- I've seen all the arguments. He had a great game against Fabregas once in 1992. Yes, he did have a great game against Fabregas once in 1992. Yes, he did nutmeg him. But uh, over the piece, this is you know, 107 starts, 140-odd games over five years. He's not, not played nearly enough because he's injured most of the time. Uh, he doesn't look fit enough most of the time, although he did look slimmer earlier this season, so maybe something had happened there. And and he just hasn't put in the performances, and that's the, the most important part. So five years into it, and uh, he really, it really is time to cut our losses on that's 30 million euros that one costs and won't get anywhere near that back if it's all amortized in it on the books it's not going to reflect as a loss is it probably because he's been here so long no no i mean he's not on the books anymore at all he he signed a new contract in uh, december 2010 so uh, you don't amortize after that anyway get all technical and financial on your ass doesn't it doesn't count i mean he's a zero rated asset effectively from a taxation and uefa financial fair play perspective and also effectiveness on the pitch perspective unfortunately yeah whenever i say you know people don't like the finance stuff i always get loads of tweets and stuff saying i'm i'm in the 10 percent of people who who do like it i haven't quite hit the threshold where it's definitely over 10 percent yet in terms of number of tweets but if every one is reflective of like 10 people that do i think it might be closer to 15 20 percent of people that enjoy that stuff if anderson goes in the summer and is, is joined by we had an interesting question from at doran Solomon asking if Berbatov goes and Owen goes, which is very likely, and then Makeda either gets sold or shipped out on loan again, and Will Keane goes out on loan. We're actually kind of short then up front. Are, are we looking at potentially Fergie signing another striker or maybe keeping one of those people around? Depends whether there's a freebie. And of course, he, he had his scouting trip to Lyon this week to, to watch uh, Lyon versus Lille in Ligue 1 uh, over in France. And, and of course, all the papers said that uh, he was off to watch Eden Hazard. I think uh, Glazonomics tells us something different. He was off to watch Joe Cole wasn't he? Yeah I was going to say does Fergie sign him up maybe out of push if he's really cheap? Yeah well he is of course a Liverpool player so I suspect after the Heimsergate they probably wouldn't sell him even if we wanted him and that would be pretty embarrassing going capping hand to that bunch of anyway um, so God knows uh, Hazard is going to go for a huge amount of money there has been talk about Ferguson wanting him to play more centrally alongside Rooney because he kind of plays in that kind of deep lying attacking midfield 
midfield or sometimes and and generally more more uh, from a wide position in a 4-3-3 but I mean he can basically play in a whole bunch of attacking roles I can't see it happening I, I really can't he's going to he's going to be big 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 money Zinedine Zidane who has the ear of of the president El Presidente at Real Madrid has said he'd sign him without a second thought so I think that might give us an idea of uh, where he'll probably end up that's just my guess and of course you know I'm normally wrong on these things anyway so what's Fergie doing there then is it is it just PR is it to no, get no, every- I'm sure he's looking at a player I don't know which one uh, there's talk about it being Debucci the right back from Leo. It could be any number of players sadly it could well be Joe Gold but yeah, god so not Monsieur Hazard il ne vient pas uh, so what I'd been told from you know the grapevine is that he has about 30 million to spend in the summer it might just stretch to hazard uh, maybe he'll pick up some more you know what 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 would we get for Berbatov 5 million maybe virtually nothing from Acheda who who by the way I, I do think will go I, I can't see them wasting another year by keeping him at the club or loaning him I, I think they'll probably seek a buyer for him Owen will go I, 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 I think I said I'll go and pick it Carrington personally if they give him another <laughs> year's contract you might have to because I don't know he might just say ah oh, do you know what do you know what I'm going to address as Batman like you know fathers for justice and I'm going to go climb over the fence at Carrington and get up on the roof of the, the training centre yeah. with Owen out Batman. so on the day this podcast comes out a bunch of our kids will be playing 6.45 ITV4 in England if you're listening to this today otherwise you've missed it sorry you might be able to watch it on the internet you know how these things go uh, but massive FA Youth Cup tie against Chelsea Yes, second year in a row, and I, I know we talked about this one last week. Played very well over two legs last year. Uh, lost the first leg away at Stamford Bridge, and then then won at Old Trafford, a convincing win, and, and sent us through to the FA Youth Cup. Very different side this year. Obviously very young, but done very very well to get this far, and think overperformed. Uh, I don't really know much about the the Chelsea youth side. There's probably people who watch more of uh, them than I do, so who knows? But great great luck to them. I think they've done great this season. It'd be nice to see them come away with a win over the two legs don't think there's a date for the second leg yet at least there wasn't when I last looked for it that will be at Stamford Bridge in a couple of weeks time I think it's Old Trafford the first game isn't it and and uh, great luck to them it is definitely on ITV4 which is pretty cool uh, for those of us without who are not prepared to pay a subscription to MUTV because that seems like a ridiculous thing to do and it's nice occasionally to watch football on the actual television instead of over the internet talking of watching football on the actual television and indeed talking of Chelsea I might not know much about the Chelsea youth team but I'm pretty sure they're managed by John Terry who seems to be in control of everything at Chelsea. Did you watch her Chelsea's heroic backs against the wall, flag waving, marvellous performance against the eye ties last night? I, I did, I did. And there was the hilarious moment when Terry's barking the orders and Roberto Di Matteo's looking a bit sheepish and then thought, actually, I better step forward and look managerial here. And then but Terry's still barking the orders. I mean, we know who wears the trousers in that household, don't we? Unbelievable. Can you imagine that happening at Manchester United? I can tell you what, you can't imagine it happening at Manchester United because Mike Phelan's barely allowed to stand there and do that, let alone a player. I mean, it's an absolute disgrace. The kind of received wisdom about Chelsea is that Villas-Boas got sacked because Lampard and Drogba and Terry run that dressing room and they didn't like him and they didn't like the way he treated Frank and all that stuff. And and I kind of thought, I bet that's got to be a bit exaggerated, you know, it it can't be quite that blatant. But John Terry was standing there managing the team, sitting there, doing finger gestures and like, two of you over here and un- Believable. Yeah, Phelan tried that once, and he was told to wear very tight shorts after that, 
that and uh, sit in the corner like a very naughty boy. Yeah, exactly. So it was a disastrous performance uh, in Europe for Manchester United this season, but at least we're not Chelsea. Mind you, they are through to the quarterfinals of the European Cup. My word, even. Uh, they, they're not going to do any, get anywhere in the European Cup, though. Uh, Napoli are all right, but they actually... Actually, they did defend very well against Napoli this week, I thought, but uh, they're not going to get anywhere. And Fernando Torres, I, I, every time he warms up and gets ready to come on, you just think, is this it? Is this the one? But you've stopped thinking that, haven't you, Ed? You're convinced he's... No, I really I really am. You know what he reminds me of? Have you ever seen that clip with Gaza where he, he's playing that joke where he's, he looks like he's trying to go and try and pick the ball up and he accidentally kicks it and then does it again? Th- that's Fernando Torres. Every time he goes to the ball, you think he's going to try and trap it, but he actually kicks it about 10 yards in front of him and, and, and then he kind of stumbles over a bit and then he's completely fluffed it. it it's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. The guy is shot. I do feel for him. I genuinely... People keep saying he's going he's gonna to come good. I don't think so. He's had over a year of this now. He's got some deep-rooted mental problem and uh, I think it's some kind of post-traumatic stress. He's he, he spent, you know, too long in Liverpool and it's like the guys who've come back from Nam. They're, you know, they're gone and he's gone. I, w- I was watching him and his, his whole body language, he just seemed absent from himself you know it's a uh, it's the horrors he, he can't get over it you know it's the horrors of Anfield <laughs> yes and of course he's got to play with black players at Chelsea as well that's probably pretty awful for him coming out of the clan maybe that's why he left maybe he's a nice chap and he didn't want to be associated with that sort of language all this is pure speculation suffice to say if I saw Fernando Torres in the street I would be hard pressed not to want to give him a you know a manly arm around the shoulder and say it's going to be alright Nando it, you, you might come good again Don't don't worry so much I guess that brings us on to the preview of the one game in United's fixture calendar. Isn't it lovely? One game a week in the league. Very old-fashioned, all this, not being in a cup competition in March. Oh, dear. Yeah, this is what it's like to be Liverpool, isn't it? You know. No, it's not because we're competing for the league title. <laughs> very true. Well corrected. Thank you very much for bringing me back down to earth there. Yes, it is nice. Yeah, n- not having to record this on a Thursday night is very nice. Yeah, it's really going to help. Wolves away at the weekend. We've had a couple of dodgy results there down the years, haven't we? And after my prediction earlier this season that Wolves were quite a good side and they'd be comfortably safe, I was once again proven massively wrong. And They've, they've fallen like a stone and they're, they're in big, big, deep, deep trouble. And interesting that the secret footballer column from last weekend uh, was about uh, how uh, assistants and number twos really make good managers and uh, especially not when they're promoted because the players don't respect them at all. And that's an interesting one and uh, wonder whether Wolves could get a bump and it doesn't look like they will get any kind of bump from the change from sacking Mick McCarthy and, and they look in real trouble and I know United have got a very quick turnaround I mean fly home Thursday night rest recuperation Friday a few massages or ice baths and that kind of stuff and light training on Saturday and straight back into it but can't see anything else than the United turning them over No I mean it's not like United suffered from a massive outpouring of either physical or emotional energy in a Bilbao game I'm sure there are a few bruised egos and stuff but they as you, as we've discussed at length they clearly didn't care that much about the game or didn't appear to care that much about the game no and, and thankfully Carl Henry's out so that reduces the chances of any broken limbs quite substantially I mean what Wolves are doing sacking Mick McCarthy and replacing him with Terry O'Connor is just it's completely ridiculous because Mick McCarthy has overachieved with Wolves fairly substantially given their levels of investment and D- totally has yeah and really really odd process as well they took ages uh, and, and basically offered Steve Bruce the job he wants 
to accept it and then they seem to have changed their mind and then blamed him for not taking it quickly enough I mean the the problem is he lost 5-1 to West Brom that's that it's really as simple as that and and at some point the level of pressure from the fans on the board becomes overwhelming and they it would have taken a really really because st- he had so little credit in the bank ridiculously because football fans are ridiculous not not actually I don't actually think it's justified that he had such little credit in the bank but once once that happened who took them to the Premier League twice and, and twice, kept them up yeah. you know it's it, on the small budget yeah, it's ridiculous and you know I had Wolves fans saying oh Stephen Fletcher if they can afford to pay 7 million for Stephen Fletcher why can't they buy X, Y and Z player and it's like well, you do know they have to pay the wages as well right it's not it's not just the transfer fee and you know anyway which is not to say I think it's going to be a complete walk in the park because they, they've got some players and they they, they raise their game against the big sides uh, sometimes Wolves do but I wouldn't be whilst I wouldn't be surprised if it's a kind of scrappy 2-1 or flat like slightly flattering scoreline 3-1 I also wouldn't be at all surprised if we do absolutely annihilate them because if we perform as we can and, and they hit some of the plumb some of the depths they've been plumbing recently it could be embarrassing for them but but equally you know it could be a lot tighter well it's, it's got to be a better performance than uh, it was against Athletic away that's for sure and, and actually United's away performances in Premier League have been great this season so uh, I mean you know it, sh- it should hold no fears a complete turnaround from last season of course where we had pretty horrific horrendous record for most of it so uh, no I, I think United will go there and, and win fairly comfortably I just hope there haven't been any injuries from the athletic game and Ferdinand coming off with a calf injury he's pretty important because Smalling's not quite ready I mean he's wearing some every week his head protection uh, apparatus gets bigger and bigger he'll be wearing some kind of tin hat uh, against Wolves at this stage if Rio isn't fit and Jones has got this flu bug so he won't be in there Raphael I have to say didn't have a very good game against Athletic so it's uh, it's not looking good on the defensive front right now they'll patch everyone together hopefully and it'll be enough just to make sure we get through that game yeah absolutely and and we've obviously got huge amounts of firepower available to us and I'm I'm sure well I'm sure but I think a Skulls Carrick midfield too is is very likely and could be extremely effective in that game I, I'm sure that's very likely yeah and Valencia didn't didn't make the bench against Athletic but could be in the squad well he will be in the squad again against uh, Wolves Nani could be back he's only got bruised shin so it's, it's not nothing serious so he could be back and Park won't be on the pitch so we might actually be able to keep the ball which which would help you know it's one of those things possession is quite important sometimes it's amazing how different talking about a Skulls and Carrick midfield two feels than this time last season when we talked about a Skulls and Carrick midfield too with some dread now it's like oh yeah that'll be amazing we'll get to watch Skulls and Carrick knock the ball around I can't remember if I mentioned this during the Bilbao review but one incredible positive from that was the reaction of uh, the Bilbao fans to Ryan Giggs's substitution yeah which, which was really nice and, and it was it was a fantastic moment wasn't it and the, here's, uh, here's a set of fans who are, are a real tight knit community and, and they respect a player who's played his entire career for one club and been a great player at that yeah really brilliant moment and it, it kind of interesting to get that sort of perspective on gigs because you know he's just gigs he's just always been there but when you see him through the eyes of a another team's crowd who appreciate what he has been to the to another club i don't know i I found it very moving so yeah it was was super cool so predictions i'm going with 3-1 united yeah you know what i'm gonna match you i think i think that's a good result yes and there there may be some tightness in the back four and there may not be too many players fit so that that could cause a problem but um yeah i think uh, i think we'll score three and and i think they'll score one there you go it's always please 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 you're only happy when i'm on my knees 
that's what Paul Pogba's agent is saying to him, trying to get him to leave. But Pogba's there like, no. Well, of course, it was International Steak and Blowjob Day yesterday. Surely not relevant to this discussion. Although maybe that's how Fergie got... No, this podcast is over. We'll see you next week.